Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us for the episode for Sunday, August 29, 2021. Well, welcome to This Week in the Word, which can be found at dredhill.podbean.com. And before we get going, I want to not only welcome you, but invite you to follow or subscribe to this podcast right where you're listening so that every time we post an episode once a week, you'll be notified of that and you can listen again. That would be super great. We have been in a series called Matthew's Messiah, written by a man named Matthew, whose Jewish name was Levi, so he was Jewish, and he wrote it as a disciple and an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ to tell the Jewish people, and indeed the entire world, that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah of the Jewish people, the Savior of the world. So that's where we are, and we are going to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. So if you have a Bible handy, you can turn to that. If you don't, you can just listen along with us, and we are so excited that you're here today. I want to read you a hidden formula for identifying God that is in the Old Testament. And it's hidden only because people do not read the Word of God. For if they read it, they would have seen this already. In the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, verses 5 and 6, under the inspiration of the Spirit, the prophet Isaiah wrote these two verses. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. The Messiah would do these things, and Matthew's Messiah did them. Matthew's Messiah is truly God among us, for only God could do what Jesus did. That's the title of our episode today, Matthew's Messiah, Only God. We're going to see a parade of people and see them exercise faith in Jesus as God. They will even worship him. And notice as we go through this, that it is not the quality of their faith within them but it is the object of their faith before them, Jesus Christ, that is the important thing and the important one. So let's go to Matthew 9, verses 1 through 38, and we're going to take these a few verses at a time. So if you're one of many people who often say that when you read the Bible, it's just so mysterious to you and ununderstandable. Let's let's break it down and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what his truth is. And that's his ministry, one of them. He teaches us the truth. Now, if you're not a Christian, 
He's going to teach you today that only God can do these things. Jesus is God, and you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So let's go to Matthew 9 in verses 1 and 2, and we're going to see first that only God forgives sin. And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Only God forgives sin. This is the time where this man's four friends brought him and they let him down, we know from the other Gospels, through the roof of the house right in front of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus heals him by forgiving him of his sins. And he's healed. And you can see that as you read the same account in the other Gospels. But he does it by forgiving sin. And in Psalm 103, verse 3, it is said that the Messiah would do this very thing. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. This only God can do. Now, Let's read further in that same account because when Matthew's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, heals this man by forgiving his sin as God, this upsets some religious people. Now, only God knows thoughts. We may think we know someone's thoughts, but God knows them. Let's read in verses 3 through 8 of Matthew 9. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So we've seen already two things that only God can do, and Jesus did both. Only God forgives sin, and Jesus did that. And that man was healed from the moment that Jesus forgave his sin. And then we see that only God knows thoughts. So just to make his point and show that he knew thoughts, He called out the scribes for what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to him, arise and walk. And the man got up and went home healed. Amen. This, in our parlance today, this blew everybody away, probably including the religious people. 
<laughs> so only God can forgive sin and only God knows thoughts. Well, Jesus did both. All right, here's the next thing. Only God changes lives. Look in verse 9 of Matthew 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. You see, before this day, Matthew, or his Jewish name, Levi, had pretty much been following Caesar, following Rome. Why? He was a Roman tax collector. As a Jewish person collecting taxes for the hated occupation army of Rome that sat squarely on Jerusalem at this time, Matthew Levi was considered a complete traitor a complete collaborator with the Romans, an outcast. He was dead to the Jewish people. And I would imagine that he had very few friends except people who did the same thing he did. This man was a very unlikely candidate to become a disciple, a learner, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Polar opposites. And yet, the Lord Jesus Christ called Matthew to be a disciple. Matthew left his collection of taxes, and he followed the Lord Jesus Christ from that day forward. He left everything. One commentator said, well, he did take one thing with him. He took that pen with which he kept accounts, and he used that pen to write later the Gospel of Matthew, so that we could learn even today about Matthew's Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a life change for Levi, for Matthew. He was dead, and the Lord Jesus Christ raised him back to spiritual life. Only God changes lives, and Jesus did that. Only God truly loves sinners. Now, I know people who consider themselves sinners, and I'll say, you know, people that would brag about it, like people who are big drinkers and maybe they're bikers like motorcycle gangs or something like that, and all kinds. I mean, not just people that, that seem to be that way, but even quiet people. But people who are sinners run from God. They think God is out to whack them with a big stick. But God truly loves sinners, and only God can love sinners like they need to be loved. Now, if Jesus walked among us again today, right now, physically, like he did in his earthly ministry, I would imagine that he would be finding people like what we're going to read to be among so that they might come to know him and his love. So let's go to Matthew 9, verses 10 through 13. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the, his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, 
They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was among these publicans and sinners, and that would be just probably Matthew's old buddies, all right? His tax collector friends and everybody who hung out with them and people that would be labeled quite openly as sinners. They were not uh, temple goers. They weren't church goers. They weren't religious folk. And they were outcasts. And they were pretty proud of that, actually. These are the people that Jesus and the disciples allowed to come among them and eat with them. And I think they had a good time. Now, Jesus Christ did not lower his standing or standards at all, but rather he was calling them to recognize that he is God and repent and turn to him in faith. And then their lives would also change as Matthew's life had changed as well. I think that's one of the reasons they were there, I believe, in Matthew's house, because they saw the changes that Christ had made in Matthew's life, and they wanted this deep inside. But you know, people who are openly sinners, we're all sinners, by the way, but people who kind of wear it on their sleeve, you know what I'm talking about. They, deep in their hearts, want to be loved. They want to be forgiven, but they're pretty sure that it's impossible and they stay as far away from God as they possibly can because the devil tells them that God is out to take you down. God is out to save them. Maybe you're a person like that. Jesus Christ wants to become your Savior and Lord. He'll take care of your life after that. But he wants you to know his true love today. Amen. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was trying to teach the Pharisees. These were like, they were generally looked up to, by the way. Generally, most people thought if I could only be like a Pharisee, maybe I could get into heaven. <laughs> well, the Pharisees were Bible-believing people. They believed in God and angels, and they were uh, very conservative in their theology but they got off course somewhere. And all they saw were a bunch of rowdy people like Hank Williams Jr. song, all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. That's all they saw. Jesus saw people who needed to know him so that they could be forgiven. But anyway, the Pharisees challenged the disciples like, I'm paraphrasing, hey, if Jesus is so great, what's he doing hanging out and eating with publicans and sinners? And Jesus calls him up short here. And he says, at the end of verse 12, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. In other words, he went to those who needed him and those who had a sense that they needed him. The biggest problem with the Pharisees then and now is they do not think there's anything all that wrong with them. They're not sinners like these people, and yet we're all sinners, amen? But the Pharisees didn't know it. They thought they weren't sick, so 
Jesus says, they that be whole, you know, Pharisees, need not a physician, but they that are sick. And then he says, uh, at the end of verse 13 that we already read, he says at the end, for I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, the Pharisees thought they were, all in all, they were pretty good. And, you know, I guess they thought that, well, we don't need Jesus. Look at us, how religious we are. Well, Jesus is trying to get them to see that even though their life is not exactly the same on the outside, inside, they were ever every bit lost as these obvious publicans and sinners. But they... They weren't, uh, they weren't picking up that signal yet. A few did, but most of them didn't. So again, let's review so we don't forget. Only God forgives sin. Only God knows thoughts. Only God changes lives. Only God loves sinners. And Jesus did all of these things. Here's another one. Only God brings celebration. You know, true rejoicing. I'm not talking about being happy that your team won the football game. I mean, that's all well and good, but that passes. We're talking about a true, deep celebration and rejoicing that that is life-changing. Only God brings celebration. Look at verses 14 to 17. Then came to him the disciples of John. Now remember, John the Baptist had been a very austere man. He ate very little, locust and wild honey, a high-protein diet was his diet. He lived out on his own in the wilderness, and he was somebody that people just, when they heard about him, they had to go here and see him, and many repented because he was pointing them to Matthew's Messiah, who had not been identified yet, and then John the Baptist, once he was shown who that was, confirmed it, that it was his cousin, the Lord Jesus Christ, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Well, John, and I can't go into the whole story, but John by now is in prison, and he is going to be, shortly he's going to be beheaded. So you'll have to read the Gospels and learn more about this. And I I believe we actually cover that coming up in the Gospel of Matthew. But John is in prison, and there's nothing wrong with John. John is as right as he could be. And yet, in his humanity, he wanted to just be sure. I do not believe for a moment that he was doubting who the Lord Jesus Christ was, that he was truly the Messiah. But I think he just, in those dark days, just needed to hear it again. He needed that confirmation just one more time, just to strengthen his faith. Amen? Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft? And the Pharisees, we know, fasted twice a week, so maybe the disciples of John did too. I don't know about that. Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? 
I mean, here they were at a, a big feast. I'm sure there was plenty of food. There was laughter. There was rejoicing. God was being exalted. Sort of like one of those old-fashioned dinners on the ground that we used to have in churches or a fellowship meal on a Wednesday night where everybody's just in good spirits and praising the Lord and enjoying the fellowship. That's what had been going on. But the disciples of John, again, they were the opposite of that because they were, they were emulating John the Baptist. So John sends them some of his disciples. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft? But thy disciples fast not. You know, fasting showed mourning, right? And, and being very serious spiritually. So they come from John with this question to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill up, fill it up, taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. So this is the Lord's answer back to John the Baptist. And we know from the Gospels that he also pointed out the great works that he was doing as further proof that he is the Messiah and John was right to identify him in that way. And you know what? I believe when the disciples of John took that message back to him from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's all he needed to hear. His heart was at peace. Amen? Amen. Now, only God conquers death. And this is part one of that, and you'll see why in a minute. Because part two is separated by another person than we start with in part one. Now, I want you to know something before I read these passages here. The, the day we're seeing these miracles occur, well, about 12 years before that day, a family welcomed a new baby daughter into their home, and they loved her very much. I want you to remember that. Verse 18, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler. Now this was a, a religious leader, like a synagogue leader, well-respected and he, to the best of his ability, was following what he knew in the law of God, all right? While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler, watch this, and worshiped him. Let that hit you. This, let's just, for our purposes, like we think of it today, this was a pastor, a preacher man, so to speak. 
who worshiped only God, right? Mm-hmm, all right. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. So this family had rejoiced in this daughter's life for 12 years, and we don't know what happened, but she had passed away. But before they took her to bury her, because she would have most likely been buried on the same day that she died, before they could bear to let her body go to be buried, this ruler said, I know, I know Jesus. I believe he's the Messiah and Jesus can raise her to life again. And he went and begged for Jesus to come and raise her from the dead. And Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples. Now, by the way, I know what a few of you may be thinking. Well, back then, they couldn't really tell. They didn't really know if she was dead. She was only in a, a coma or something like that. And so uh, she wasn't really already dead. Hey, listen, come on. This man who was a rabbi was among the most educated in his community. One of the few that could read the, the rabbis often were the doctors in their communities. This was not a stupid man. This man knew, even though it broke his heart, that his daughter was dead. And yet he asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come and raise her to life. So Jesus follows this Rabbi and the disciples follow the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to break in there because that's part one. Remember what I said? Only God heals the hopeless, verses 20 to 22. Now, here's another thing you need to know. About the same time that this little girl had been born to this rabbi's family 12 years ago, there was a woman that began experiencing uncontrollable bleeding. It just wouldn't stop. We know from the other gospels she has spent her entire fortune with doctors and only grew worse. She was on the verge of death, completely hopeless. Verses 20 to 22. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years. This would have also kept her out of going to church, so to speak. She couldn't go into the temple this way because she was considered defiled under the law. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. Now, 
she shouldn't have been touching the Lord Jesus Christ at all, according to Jewish law. She was a woman. Because of her disease, she was unclean. And yet she said, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. The Gospels say that she, she felt that she was healed immediately, and she was. Wow. Now, by the way, some people emphasize that it was her faith that healed her. It's not the quality of our faith that heals us. It's the object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he commends her having faith in him. So only God heals the hopeless. She, to use a saying that we use sometimes, she had one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel, all right? Medical science of her day just scratched their heads and says, you're going to die. Jesus changed that. Only God heals the hopeless. Now let's go back to Only God Conquers Death, part two. Let's finish that. Verses 23 to 26. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, so there were, there were people playing very sad-sounding musical instruments, and there were people weeping and wailing, among the writings of the Jewish people at this time, it was said that, you know, essentially, basically, the family needed to make sure there was at least one professional mourner. Even a poor person was expected to pay somebody to come and be a, a loud public mourner. And these people, I know it's a weird job. <laughs> that was their job, to come and play sad music, you know, I'm sure it's psalms and worship-type music, but also people to weep and wail, and at least one. But there were many, because it says people making a noise. And I don't know if you've ever seen an Eastern funeral, but it is completely unlike a Western funeral. For some reason, we are very prim and proper and basically try not to show very much emotion, certainly not uncontrollable emotion. But an Eastern funeral is totally different than that. So that's what the Lord Jesus Christ walked into. More proof, by the way, that this girl was dead. All of these people had seen plenty of dead people in their lives. Verse 24, And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. Now, by the way, when God looks at death, like if I were to die tonight or tomorrow, you know, we look at it like, oh no, it's death. That's our greatest enemy, even as a Christian. But it will too will be defeated, amen? But God looks at death and says, they're just asleep, I wake them up. It's no big deal for God. So, 
Verse 24, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. I mean, right in his face, they mocked him. I hope you're not one of those people that do that today. If you are, you need to repent and come in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25, but when the people were put forth, I can just, uh, this is just me now. I can almost imagine the Lord Jesus Christ saying, yeah, yeah, right, I get it, okay, whatever, and just ushering them out the front door and closing it. That's just my mental picture. That's not in the Bible. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. Wow. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. Only God conquers death, and Jesus did that. Only God heals the sightless. In verse 27 of Matthew 9, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. When they called him the son of David, they might as well just have said Messiah. That's who they're talking about because it was prophesied that David's son would be the Messiah. Amen. What a what a intense sequence of events here. Jesus heals the woman who's been hemorrhaging. Jesus goes and he does that on the way to the rabbi's house to raise his daughter from the dead. And when he's leaving there, two blind men start following him. And it says, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. I would too. Amen. What an exciting thing had just happened. Only God heals the sightless. This this had never been done before. Jesus did it. Amen. And again, it was not the quality of their faith, but it was the object of their faith, Jesus, in whom they trusted. Amen. All right, only God heals the speechless. That is what we would call the dumb, the, the mute. Verse 32, and as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. So here's an example, by the way, of a man who had a physical problem, and yet it was caused by demons living in him and oppressing him and causing this disease, which was a life-limiting, life-debilitating disease. Now, let me be very clear here. In the Bible, it is very easy to see that people can be sick without any reason of demons being involved. 
people can be demonized without being sick, and people can be sick because they are demonized. These are fallen angels who work against God and God's purposes in the lives of people, all right? Well, this man was that third kind. He had this muteness, this inability to speak because he was oppressed by a demon. Now, only God has authority over demons. And I know what you're thinking. Some of you Bible scholars are saying, but the, but the disciples cast them out and people with the, with the, in the name of Jesus can do that today. Yes, but everybody as a person who's ever done that only did it because of the authority of Jesus. It's his authority that forces the demons to leave even when they don't want to. Look at verses 33 and 34. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. This just had not happened before. Not the, not the demonic... Uh, possession being ended, but because this was done, this man could speak again. Verse 34. Now, by the way, you would think that with everybody in town talking about all these miracles, bam, 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 in a row, you would think that the religious people up at headquarters in Jerusalem will say, well, maybe he's the Messiah. Well, maybe he is. Maybe they should check that out. Never crossed their mind, <laughs> except for a few like Nicodemus and um, uh, Joseph of Arimathea and, and perhaps some others, uh, whether well, were others later. But at this time, the, the majority opinion of the religious people up in Jerusalem was that he's not the Messiah, I would say, how do you say that? Verse 34. But the Pharisees said, He casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. Now that doesn't make any sense. Why would Satan cast his own soldiers out of people, right? That makes no sense. But anyway, they this is this is blasphemous because the work of God had just been done right in front of their eyes. And they refused to see it and said that, ah, oh, that's just the devil at work. Well, this was God at work because only God has authority over demons. One more section and we're done in this episode. Only God cares for the shepherdless. Verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, 
but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That is, that he would thrust forth others who would help reap this harvest of souls. Little could they have imagined that they would be the answer to that prayer. The disciples becoming apostles, writing the gospels, performing miracles, healing the sick, casting demons out, all because Jesus Christ gave them his authority to do so. Amen. You know, this week is we've seen video of all the tragic events in Afghanistan. I thought the very same thing as I watched people desperately seeking to escape the massacre that is sure to come at the hands of Islam. And I thought to myself, like sheep without a shepherd, they so need Jesus. That's how the Lord Jesus Christ saw the people of his day, and it's still how he sees people today who do not know him. You might be a person who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus looks at you. He wants you to allow him to be your shepherd, your God, your Savior and Lord, your Messiah. Write this number down and call it 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. I want to read you some other verses as we close. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. This means you. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's offered to you. Call upon the Lord today to be saved, to become part of his family Because with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your Messiah, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. Instead of following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and eternity with him. Call 877-247-2426. Or go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. Well, I thank you for listening today. I hope this has been a blessing to your heart. If you are a Christian, that you are encouraged and strengthened, and you'll share this podcast with others right from where you listen right now on that app, you can share this podcast. You can share it by email. You can text it. You can call people and tell them to find This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. It's all free and always will be. If you're lost today, give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and begin the Christian life that you were created to have. 
In His name I say this. Amen. Bye-bye. We'll talk with you next week.